Welcome to Unscripted Authentic Leadership Podcast, podcast where we are seeking to lead change while also to seeking to understand. I am your host, Lafayette Lane, joined by my co-host, John LeBron. It's a podcast where we are seeking to mobilize and lead the change that we want to see in our community, in our homes, and ultimately in our country. We want to uh, say thank you to all our supporters um, that have been watching this uh, podcast faithfully. I believe this is episode seven, if I'm not mistaken. Episode seven. Is that right, John? I think so. I thought I maybe I was going to say eight, but it might be. I don't know. I'm losing count. I think it's so eight. Seven or eight. One of those two. But we thank you for those that have been rolling with us, those that have been uh, hanging in there and supporting us from day one, even the newcomers. We appreciate that. Um, those that have been subscribing to our YouTube channel, you'll see that at the bottom of your screen uh, at Unscripted Authentic Leadership. You also can follow us on our Facebook page at Unscripted Authentic Leadership. And also our Instagram handle was at Unscripted Leadership at John LeBron, the number three for those that may be listening to the number three. And then also at Lafayette B Lane, L-A-F-A-Y-E-T-T-E, B-L-A-N-E. Also, we are streaming on all major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Buzzsprout. Also, we were picked up and submitted this week by Our Heart Radio. So we are mm-hmm. uh, extremely, extremely happy at the progress um, of the podcast and all of the support as we get better each week. John, how you doing, man? I'm good. We're now legit with iHeartRadio. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means for us, but I just right. we're also on Amazon Podcast, which, yeah. is a, which is a brand new thing. So, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I think it's called Tune In. Um, yeah. Yeah. So those of you that are on Amazon, however you get your uh, particular podcast, you could probably find it on any platform. So listen, we've been in a series uh, for the month of September on diversity, and uh, we've been hitting many different aspects of diversity. We started out the first two weeks talking about unconscious biases that go along with uh, diversity. Last week, we talked about systemic racism with our special guest, Jeremiah Du. That was an excellent, excellent episode. If you have not listened to that episode, that was our first time guest that we had on Jeremiah Du. Definitely go check out that um, episode. And this week, we kind of want to wrap up the series of diversity uh, for this month. Uh, Talking about systemic racism, part two, uh, in particular, police brutality. Those that did not listen last week, uh, just to kind of recap some some highlights from last week. We talked about uh, Black Lives Matter. What does that mean? the difference between the saying of Black Lives Matters, uh, Lives Matter, and the organization of Black Lives Matter. We also talked about uh, the different uh, areas of the systemic racism, what that means, the different systems uh, pertaining to the education system, the housing, um, the judicial system. We talked about uh, just different aspects of that. And is someone a racist because they have racist ideas? So I, I would just encourage you to definitely go back and listen to that episode give us feedback um we've seen some different comments on the youtube channel uh this week and we appreciate all different respectful uh viewpoints you don't have to have the same viewpoints as myself or john 
Uh, we're all here to try to seek to lead change, but also get understanding. And we may get that understanding from a different vantage point, and that's okay. And so we want to continue that conversation of the systemic racism today, uh, of this issue of police brutality. Anyone that's really been paying attention to the world, uh, you don't really have to look that hard uh, to what's been plaguing our nation. And uh, it, it's kind of tough. It's not kind of tough, but it is very tough, um, especially as a black man. And I know John will give his um, feeling on what's going on every, with everything right now. Um, with the social and racial divide, um, it is very disappointing. It is saddening, it's frustrating, it can be angry, but most of all, what can we do to get past this point? I was not alive <laughs> when my grandparents were alive uh, in the 60s, the 50s. I have a grandfather that's 84, 85 years old. He was born in the 20s in South Georgia. And he's still alive to this day. So he actually knows slaves, had slaves in his family. I was not alive back then. Um, but just doing the research and seeing some of the things growing up in school and reading some of the things that have happened in the 60s, it almost seems like we're still in that place. Um, so we, we kind of want to just talk about what can we do to benefit or to contribute rather to uh, breaking down what is going on. Um, and I know Jeremiah has said something very critical last week um, about we still need to continue the educating, educating of people of what's going on. Because the reality is, is that even though it's all around us, some people are still ignorant to it. And so we really want to hit this topic head on and just talk about what police brutality is and uh, is it a real thing or we know it's a real thing and how, who is affecting, how is it affecting, what can we do to bring about a change? For those that may not know what police brutality is in the simplest form is basically uh, those who are called to serve and protect, uh, who are the police, those that are in law enforcement that abuse that power beyond a reason to bring about injustice on minorities or particular black and brown skinned people. Now, this does affect uh, whites. It does affect other ethnicities, uh, but more than likely, and we'll get into the numbers and statistics a little later, uh, police brutality often affects black people uh, disproportionately. And so this has been an issue for a very uh, long time. And, and so, John, what what is your thoughts? We just kind of want to lay a foundation initially on the police brutality and what you see. And we'll get into some of some cases, particularly with Breonna Taylor and even some cases of um, the L.A. riots of how Rodney King and things of that nature. But I kind of just want to get your thoughts, bro, on police brutality. What do you think about it? And just what's your thoughts on what's going on socially in the racial divide? concerning police brutality right now it's a uh, it's rough um you know i remember when we first met and uh lafayette and i take you all back a few years we were having a just like a regular discussion and i don't remember how it started or whatever but i remember thinking to myself because in my own bubble let's put it that way Mm -hmm. I remember thinking it's not probably not that big of an idea, a big of a deal, right? 
And I remember, okay, if I can be super transparent, you may not remember this this conversation. Now, my heart is in the right place, people. I'm just being transparent with some old, just in the bubble thoughts, right? Uh, I don't have bad thoughts, just in anyways. um, The thing is, is a good friend of mine named Alan once said, you don't know what you don't know. He goes, you know? And I thought, (laughs) it's true, right? Um, sometimes you don't know what you just it's it's impossible to know until it's brought to your face just are you open to listening and so um i remember having a conversation when uh the when it was we were listening to sports television or sports uh the skip and shannon bayla show um i can't remember the name of the um, i'm sorry skip and shannon sharp show undisputed yep. yes and he had asked if I enjoyed it. I said, yes. I said, but I just stopped. I stopped tuning in a little bit because I was getting tired of listening to the uh, all the commentary on the kneeling of the anthem. Do you remember me? T- do you remember this at all? Oh, yes. And he was like, and, and honestly, Lafayette never said a word. He was, oh, okay. And he just kind of kept on doing his thing. It was just a passerby. I still remember this because it was a stupid comment, okay? Um, but it was several years ago. And I remember thinking, and I was like, I just wanted to listen to football or whatever. And then looking back, for whatever reason, that comment stuck in my head. And I remember thinking, how silly is that? Um, somebody has a platform. And yes, they talk about certain sports topics. But they feel like they should use that platform for things more important than just sports. Although I love sports. A lot of listeners love sports. Right? And so I remember thinking, what a dumb comment. I mean, Charles Barkley said when he went to TNT, I just listened to this, that he um, told them he would come on the show. He joined TNT because they would give him time to talk about things that he felt was important outside of basketball. And other stations wouldn't allow that. I thought, wow. I I just heard this yesterday or the day before. So... Anyways, um, the question was though: Do I feel? How do I feel about all that's going on? Um, and you know, if I can relate to some listeners, I do remember thinking that's not an issue. And you know, Collins kneeling, and he's just being, uh, you know, he's just uh, being. What was the word they use? People used uh, disrespecting the flag. And if you really know the story behind it. He was frustrated, wanted to show a protest, and he was originally going to sit on the bench. He talked to a soldier friend, correct me if I'm wrong, but a friend in the armed forces, and his friend said, you know, it would be a lot more respectful to kneel and show, so therefore you're not, people don't feel like you're disrespecting, but showing protest for for police brutality towards people with black black and brown skin. And he said, okay, so he did that. Now, the only place that, that... didn't didn't work out right is um, the explanation of, in my opinion, um, it probably could have been further explained by everybody why we're doing this the way we are. But at the same time, I think people weren't open to listening to the, I mean, it may have been explained, but I don't think people were open to listening to the, the reason why somebody was kneeling. Mm-hmm. And people still don't. People still get mad when someone kneels or whatever. Um, but... Across the board, people don't listen because I could. I remember seeing people, uh, you know, baseball games sitting in their seats when it was going, thinking, but it wasn't really a. It was kind of in protest, but it was, it was. I don't know if it was the same thought that Colin had had in his head as far as how he wanted to show because he's on national television. Anyways, fast forward. So early on, I was on the same boat. Like, oh, that seems disrespectful, but then. 
um, and I didn't, I honestly, I didn't really put too much thought into it. And then move fast forward, we had some conversations, Lafayette and I, and we just kind of dug in deep. And that really, what I really started to understand was like, here was the thing whether somebody realizes that there's police brutality or not, right, that's more proportionate towards anybody who with darker skin. Um, I don't know how you can not see it, but let, even if you don't, at least be open-minded to listening to why somebody feels that way, right? Yeah. Um, so many people are like, well, I don't think, like, look at the statistics. Statistics don't show that, you know, all these things. And nothing irritates anybody more than you throwing statistics up in the air saying, these statistics, okay, I used to do sales. Statistics can be moved in any way you want to fit any narrative you want. I promise. I did all, people did it all the time. Um and so uh, my point is, to make this not ramble on too long, is um, yes, it's, it's obviously something that should be I'll have attention towards, and we're going to talk about it today. Um, yeah. Part of the issue is I think people aren't open to listening to the topic outside of, oh, um, it's not as bad as people think, or let's not disrespect the flag. Okay, I don't think the flag ever had anything to do with it. I think that was a narrative that was hijacked, mm-hmm. um, and that was a that was a um, a bystander of somebody not listening to what somebody was actually saying when they kneeled down. If you would just have read a little bit, looked back into the story of why was it why was uh, was this kneel happening? If you just listen to the interview of the players, they'll tell you. But you right. know, instead we just scream. So. Absolutely. That listening is so is so critical in having that open mind, because like you said, numbers can be skewed. Uh, statistics can be skewed. Graphs can be skewed. Um, but people's personal experiences, that's one thing that if you actually get some time to take the time out to listen to someone else that's gone through something that you may not have gone through. Oftentimes, that won't be skewed if you after you actually open up your heart, open up your mind to listen to what is actually going on um, and try to get a better understanding instead of getting defensive or jumping to a conclusion uh, that that is not what's actually happening. Um, we've seen this. Go ahead, bro. What you about to say something? And, and for the same people who are the all lives matter people, right, who, yeah. in my opinion, aren't listening to what people are trying to say when they say black lives matter, mm-hmm. um, pretending saying something that same feeling is almost assuming like okay so if someone says i don't think police brutality is any worse for non-white people or anything okay regardless let's say let's say it's true right (laughs) huh let's pretend that that's a true narrative i i'm I'm agreeing but are you are you basically assuming that the police brutality is okay since they would be in equal numbers you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, so I don't care how you approach this listener who doesn't agree with me. Um, like, regardless, it needs to be, if that makes you feel better, um, that it needs, it's something that has to be addressed. So absolutely. I wasn't trying to say it wasn't true. I know you said it is, oh, but I wasn't no, trying no. to say that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's a great point. Like you said, even if, even if you think uh, the numbers aren't the case as a human being, you should want to take the time out to see why is it this one particular race for hundreds of years have been going through the same thing over and over instead of being defensive so we all can be better and go on and live an 
equality life or have an equality uh, country and community. <clears throat> and so one of the one of the cases out of a plethora of too many um, cases that I, I want to highlight uh, just because of the recency and the relevancy of this particular case dealing with police brutality uh, that this week there was a ruling in the case of Breonna Taylor. Those that um, are not familiar with this particular case uh, of this black woman who was tragically killed in March of this year, um, she has gotten kind of overshadowed or she was overshadowed uh, by other cases uh, such as George Floyd and um, Ahmaud Arbery. When I mean overshadowed, not saying those cases were not important because they definitely, definitely were. Um, but she was kind of overshadowed, number one, because it goes back to the episodes that we did before. She's a woman uh, and a black woman at that. But oftentimes the narrative is that uh, police brutality only affects black men, but it also affects black women. See uh, Sandra Bland uh, and countless others. But Breonna Taylor in particular, this case, uh, this, this woman, this black woman tragically lost her life uh, in March of this year. Um, just to kind of quickly summarize, um, she's from Louisville, Kentucky, and she was sleeping in her apartment around midnight. Uh, the police department of Louisville, Kentucky issued a no knock search warrant, which is legal. Um, but you still have to announce yourself as the police. Uh, they issued this no knock search warrant to her house where her boyfriend was because they believed that her boyfriend was sending drugs uh, through the mail system and he was using his house also as a drug house, which was later found out to not be true. And there were no drugs found. None, nevertheless, um, the police issued this no knock search warrant in plain clothes and they did not announce that they were the police. They busted in Breonna Taylor's home while she was asleep along with her boyfriend um, her boyfriend thought it was a burglary and so fire a round uh, hitting one of the police officers that in the door in the leg. That police officer did survive. And so in retaliation to that firing of the shot of this gun that was registered and was legal, um, they shot over 25 rounds, tragically hitting Brianna six times and killing her fatally in her home. Um, nothing was done about this. Like I said, this happened in March. Uh, none of the officers were really convicted until recently. And the charges were brought forth this week. Uh, none of them were charged with her murder. None of them were charged with uh, reckless homicide. One of them were charged with wanton endangerment or wanton endangerment. And those that don't know what that is, uh, it is when you put those who are in a legal position or a position of uh, like a police officer where they their action is very reckless, um, causing others to be put in danger. And so because when they shot, they also hit other people's houses that were around beyond Taylor's house. That's what they were charged with, uh, basically uh, charged with hitting someone else's wall with bullets, uh, not charged with a black woman who was shot dead because of those bullets. So they all walked free. And of course, we get the pushback because 
uh, there was a lawsuit by the family uh, that was settled for $12 million. And uh, people are saying, well, you know, the family was paid off. Um, but the reality is $12 million does not bring back Breonna Taylor. Uh, $12 million is not enough uh, to put on the price of anybody's life, whether they're black, white, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. Um, and so this is just one of many, many cases that once again, systemic racism comes, comes into play um, because the police can kill someone, murder someone, and get off scot-free. Uh, but you and I, if we go kill someone, it would have been a lot different. Or if it was vice versa, Breonna Taylor would have killed a police officer. She would have been charged and booked immediately, spending the rest of her days in jail, if not receiving the death penalty. And so, uh, bro, I know you've, you've seen this case and there's been rioting, there's been an eruption even as we speak right now, if you turn on the news and look at Louisville live right now, 6.25 p.m., there's rioting uh, because people are tired. Black people are tired of seeing the same thing over and over. My One of my heroes, Dr. Martin Luther King, said, a riot is the language of the unheard. Now, here I am. I am not suggesting that I am agreeance with rioting. I am not in agreeance with tearing down and burning down black neighborhoods. It grieves my heart. Uh, but one side of me, I'm not for violence, I'm not for that, but the other side of me says, if we can't get your attention uh, by giving you education, if we cannot get your attention um, by telling you over and over that we are tired of being treated uh, disproportionately just because of the color of our skin and, and, and being looked down upon and treated differently uh, because there's a superiority complex by uh, white people, certain white people, not all white people, um, for hundreds of years, even in the year 2020, how can we make a change? How can we move forward? How can we get your attention? And so, bro, when you read this case and when you studied this, what was your thoughts? And, you know, when you heard about this, there were so many different conflicting stories, as always, um, even as I was studying it, I mean, from one site to another site, even what happened, the details of it, there's conflicting stories, but the reality is the foundation is there's a woman that lost her life innocently that's not here today uh, because of reckless uh, behavior by the police. What's your thoughts on this case? And just speak to that, man. Yeah, it was, uh, I read into it. I, I heard, well, first I heard the early stories, right? And the media completely, both sides of the media, by the way, completely hijacked it for personal narrative and personal gain which sure. is so unfortunate um you know one 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 side of the media saying oh the police got the wrong house and um shot someone while she was sleeping in her bed another person said oh no this was and they had a whole nother narrative it really was just a fit what do they want right and then finally the case goes through that and you can see notes on the case and that's what i was interested in reading of course i heard the noise before but just knowing that things tend to change from what you first hear i didn't i didn't jump on the store i mean i was listening mm -hmm. and i knew that was going to be a big story but i'm usually pretty careful to listen like let's see what happened right or what actually happened um regardless when someone dies it's unfortunate let me make that clear 
whether they're a criminal or not a criminal, right? These are people who are created in the eyes of God. Yeah. And I'm not saying that if somebody doesn't murder somebody and there's corporal punishment, I don't know. I, you know, I go back and forth in these things. But regardless, guys, look, when somebody dies, it is unfortunate. Let's start there. Um, so I'm not I'm not trying to say that uh, because I was waiting to listen I, that I didn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the story came out and I was reading more and more into it. And I realized is half the information I got since March was was relatively false the narrative i was given was false regardless of whether you listen to msn cnn fox news doesn't matter it was all pretty wrong um yep. and then i read the case and the first thought i actually had in my mind was what a terrible execution of a um of a warrant first of all yes. um it was absolutely ridiculous um i don't know how else to say it right yeah if it was my house, um, I don't know where she lived. I heard that it was not in a nice neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Okay. Even if it was in my house in a decent neighborhood um, and somebody walked through my door, there's a good chance that I'd shoot them in the leg too. So um, <laughs> I'm just saying I have kids. So good luck. Um, I'll sick my dog on you. I don't know. Whatever it takes. Um, so um, you you'd get the same treatment from me. And so um just just think of it this way somebody's somebody's somebody died because guys went into a house without body cameras mm-hmm. from what i was told which makes zero sense to me that's mm-hmm. the one thing you have to say look i did it how i'm supposed to do it and things went wrong um coincidentally <laughs> well, they just didn't have one and yeah they're not on okay so you want me to listen and i'm trying I'm trying to to listen to what you're saying, but you're really not helping me here, right? Um, and I get some people say, well, it's an accident. Okay, well, um, you know, when my kids have multiple accidents, not like potty accidents, when they, my son, I love my son, but he is, the, he's the little dude that is always seems to be getting into something and something always seems to be going wrong. And so even when something he meant to do properly goes wrong, you're like, I, I'm done. Like, dude, like you've, you've done this and this and this and this and this. It's over, right? Um, and I'm not saying this is an accident. I'm just saying like if someone wants to come to that point of view, like, oh, because I think they called it, they paid, and it was like a collateral or something. I don't remember what word they used, which just seems like a very huge devaluation of life, first of all. Um, and so, but somebody, somebody passed away and I don't want to hear that it was an accident or it was this, or we thought this, we surveyed the house for so many days. Um, and then I also heard some people say, well, you know, it's a, it's a repercussion of, um, of, you know, your mom, your parents always teach you, you shouldn't be, I think it was Candace Owens, um, who I, I don't, I, I like listening to her sometimes. I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't listen to everything that, you know, not I just got to listen. Someone doesn't mean I agree with what they say. I just listen to yeah. point of views. We're praying for um, Candace Owens. What's that? We're praying for Candace Owens that God will help her. And so when she said, you know, this is a subject of somebody hanging out with bad association. Okay. Yeah. Well, I know a lot of people who are great people who had had past boyfriends who had credit card fraud, who had drug issues, who had been dealing, who had been taking, who had 
different things. I mean, really good people super close to me who I'm not going to say who had relationships with people in the same instance and no one's raiding my house, you know, or their house or whatever, because it's just, it makes no sense to me. It seems like someone just said, oh, we have a feeling that's in this house. And so, um, because they, he had visited twice or something like that. So, I mean, I don't, you pretty much said, said the story, how it is outside of frustrating, um, guys, just, just run a search. You can, you can weed out the noise, for you know the the stories that are relevant versus the ones that are are you know I guess I don't want to say not relevant but there's there's enough stories out there of somebody being murdered who shouldn't have been who an officer should have taken an extra just two seconds yeah. to think for a minute and let the scene just, let the scenario take one more step instead of firing right look Absolutely. at Tamir Rice it was a Tamir right. Um, yep. up north, I believe it was, yep. and uh, tw- I think 12? 12? Yep. Yeah, I mean, I saw the video, I couldn't believe it. Um, yep. there was also, I mean, just look at uh, John Crawford in my hometown, Beaver Creek, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was a subject of somebody just, and the officer there had already had previous issues, and so highly, highly irritating. You don't have to, if you're not, if you don't see it, you're just not looking. Um, look, you don't have to be people, you don't have to take sides. Okay. You can, you can, you can want to have great policing and (laughs) want to have all like have people's lives matter, right? You can want to have your friends who your African American friends lives matter. Okay. Um, you don't have to take sides on like, so many people think like I have to be pro police or pro BLM. Like, no, yeah. you, it's like it's okay. I'm not saying you can you can be involved and just want it to get better. But John, the reality that is is that we should know that there's a problem when we have to make it about sides, where we have to make people's lives mattering about a side. That's mm-hmm. a problem. Yep. That's a problem. That, that, that that's a major fundamental problem that we have to make this about sides whether someone's life matters, you know. But I want to talk about, you talked about the uh, webcam, not the webcam, but the uh, body cam and uh, the different resources that the police have been given, not only to um, protect themselves, but to protect the people they are supposed to serve. And so if you have your camera on, the camera doesn't pick sides. The camera tells the story how the, the story happens. So the camera doesn't have um, a bias. The camera is not uh, being subjective. The camera uh, offers objectivity. Uh, It will only show what happens. And so oftentimes these police, um, coincidentally, their body camera works all the way up to the point until there's a situation to where there is a police um, and civilian shooting. Then all of a sudden the camera goes off. And so does the police training and the particular uh, training that they have been given the resources, is it working? Because one side I hear the people are saying, well, one of the ways that we can cut down on police brutality is if we offer more resources to the police. When I'm looking at it as the police are not shorted on funding. 
they're not shorted on resources and they're not even necessarily shorted on training. What are we doing with what we've been given? The taxpayers are paying this money. The same people that are being killed by the police officers are paying for these things for them to uh, receive these funds and these resources. What is going on? Uh, because one uh, incident jumps in my mind, Rodney King with the L.A. riots. Uh, we had body cameras then. This was 1991. It was all caught on camera. A black man in Los Angeles, California, was beat in the middle of the street. Rodney King caught on national television right around this time that everything was going on with O.J. Simpson. All of this was being uh, aired live on TV. Nothing still was done. So you're talking about 1991, 28 plus years ago. Uh, we had body cameras then. That's not anything new. So what is it? Is it the resources? Is it the training? What are we doing here? Because I'm also hearing that because these things are not working, we should defund the police. Now, my issue with that is, is that I hear that. But defund them in what way? Are we defunding them? So now when they, we call them uh, on the phone, they are not coming when we have an emergency, me personally, I don't want that. I'm not an advocate saying that all police are bad, but there is a police brutality problem. Uh, I am not one to say that I am against police. I'm against bad policing. I'm against bad police officers. I know uh, good police officers. I have a police officer friend who's saved, who's a Christian, and he's black. He's a state trooper. His name is Jerome Tony Thomas. Uh, you've probably seen him on your state troop. So I know good police officers, but uh, there is a problem. So should we defund the police or should we focus more of the training on this is how you should react to a certain group of people? Because there's already a fear that's set in uh, within yourself or what what should we do? What do you think about the whole uh, defunding the police? and the, the training and the resources that the police currently have. So some people think when they hear defund the police, that means get rid of the police station, right? Mm -hmm. um, I don't actually think that's what most, I, th I do think, I think what, all right, so again, read into the matter. When you when defunding the police was first brought to up, it was sort of a, let's give them less funding and see how they feel now, and maybe they'll get, they'll they'll take what we're talking about seriously. Okay. What most people said was, um, they started, you started hearing the nine, the commercials where they, someone dials nine one one and, um, you know, they go get an answering machine cause there's no police. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I know there's probably people out there who are saying, just get rid of all and abolish them. You know, it's sort of Antifa's, it's like Antifa's way of going about it kind of thing, which I'm not for. I don't think that was the original intent. It was, it was originally into let's reduce some, uh, Let's reduce their pay and see how they feel now kind of thing. Um, Get them where it hurts. Yeah. And I would, hey, I'm not saying that it wouldn't hurt. But what I think would happen, though, is you would get um, anytime you have an industry where you start to pay people less, then you often get less quality hires. And so I just don't think that it would, although it sounds nice, you just don't typically, yeah, you don't, you won't get the results you want. Right, and so we can't go about that, and we can't have no policing, right? What are you going to do? Self police? Yeah. I mean, we have neighborhood watches, but I think we need to change how we police things in general. First of all, like it's like, do you need 
um, Jocko Willink, who, if you don't listen to, if you don't know him, he is uh, he was a he was a Navy SEAL. He writes books now. Um, he talks about leadership, and um, he wrote a book called um, I just lost it. But anyways, basically, he says everything is your fault, um, and he takes it to the extreme. Right? Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's a very good book for personal responsibility. Anyways, he was on a podcast, and they asked him about this, and he said, "Well, I don't think you can say it's not." Like, you know, don't take my word. Take Jocko's, for, for honestly. He said, I don't th- see how you can say it's not an issue. He goes, how big or small is it? He goes, I don't I don't know, but if it's an issue, it has to be a big issue, um, in my opinion, right? Because of the matter of what we're talking about here, people dying and getting just beaten. And so he said, look, in the SEALs, 80% of our time is in training. 80%, maybe higher. Um his percentage could have been a little higher. I don't remember. But 80 plus percent is on training for the SEALs. And these are people who go in, obviously do very precise, you know, navigations and very technical and serious (laughs) types of, um, you know, they go retrieve prisoners and some of the craziest parts of the world and so forth. So, yeah, oh, that should be the case. Okay. Well, don't you think that busting into somebody's home at 1230 at night um, would be just about as critical, <laughs> right? And so he said, why don't the police have at least, let's say, 20%, right? Why isn't it that one week out of every single month is not is not going strictly to training, um, yeah. right? How much better would they be if they could get more training? Um, they wouldn't be so obviously antsy when they get on these calls, Right, because they say, "Oh, someone's." One of the officers fired into her house sixteen times. Okay, I have a firearm, and I don't know that I've ever fired sixteen times, and my hand would be so sore. Um, I, you know, my firearm is very similar to what the police use. It's a little different, very similar, in that your hand would be very sore at the end of sixteen rounds. And I get he does this all the time, but. I mean, that's the one that was charged for reckless, whatever they called it. Time. 16 times. He wasn't even in the front. He was in the back there and just started going Rambo on the yeah. house. I mean, what are you what are you doing, right? Yeah, like, it was video. obvious. That one little piece right there tells you that it's very obvious he didn't have the right training. Correct. He already had a prior issue. I don't. They didn't say what it was. They said he had a prior, like, uh, behavior issue. Okay, yeah. whatever. I don't know what it was. Maybe he could have just, you know, argued with the police chief. I don't actually know, but... My point is, is like, why, why would he be so amped up in that situation that he just starts firing into a home? It makes no sense, right? Just brainlessly. Um, that tells you there's obviously a training problem. And so, yeah, why aren't we spending resources on them being trained a lot, right? I mean, these are yeah. people who are armed. Um, we, I think they have the funding for that. Um, I think mm-hmm. they could spend more time training, less time ticketing on the streets, which to me is silly. It makes no sense. I don't think that giving speeding tickets all day long helps out any of the traffic, to be quite honest. Um, I think most people can drive just fine. Uh, you know, there's, I'm not saying you can't police any traffic, but we've all seen speed traps, and to me, speed traps are pointless. You're basically saying, I'm trying to trick you into giving me a $150 ticket, Hello? right? I mean, that's what it is. What's the point of that? I mean, come on now. Um, and so what are we talking about here? It, you know, ticketing is like another way of taxing people. And so the basically you're getting taxed on these. I'm not trying, I'm not getting too far off. You're getting taxed on something. And yes, I get it that you sped a little bit or whatever, but who really cares? And then that's so important, but training on these, these types of calls and warrants and so forth, or I mean, heck, even some of these ta- trafficking calls, or these are some of the, 
some of the uh, you've seen some things happen from you know just regular trafficking stops. But typically, right. it's not from a traffic stop. It's from a call that somebody goes and investigates. Sometimes the call was for a, a, the right reason, and sometimes and it got escalated the wrong way. And sometimes the call was because a pedestrian called for something they thought they saw, and it wasn't what they saw. That's another story. But um, regardless, um, you know, it's silly that they're spending all of their time out there on the street for something that's not that important, um, just to get more money out of the civilians, who, and then they want us to come and fund them more taxes. I'm like, well, quit, quit ticketing everybody for something silly, and then start actually policing. Um, and we'll, and honestly, I live in Beaver Creek, Ohio. I would be if somebody said, if I went to them and I said, what do you need? And they said, we could do this, but we would need this kind of funds. To pay for it, we would have to be taking less people off the street, ticketing, which means less income, and I get that. Um, and so to maintain, we would need these types of things. I'd say put it on the ballot, right? Very good. I'm sure most people will will pay a tax to um, if that's what they need, right? But uh, you know, it just depends. I know in Beaver Creek we have a gigantic SWAT truck. You've probably never seen it. It's like uh, have you ever seen Batman and you've seen that the new Batman and they have that giant truck thing that he drives? It looks just like that. It's ridiculous. I've never seen heard of a SWAT issue here in Beaver Creek, but apparently they're prepping for one. Um, it drives around town. Yeah. What's that? I've seen a couple here in Huber. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Like crazy. I don't know what they use that for, but whatever. Yeah. It probably cost a half million dollars, guys, at least if you're listening to this. Yeah. So. Anyways, I could go all day. There's a uh, study that showed that um, random. I'm kind of curious about something. Um, sure. It was a thought that was brought on a on a show, and it, there's a study that showed Texas A&M did a study, and it said that um, white officers they found are more five times more likely to fire um, when called when when how do I word this when when they report to a call um, where the call was about an African American. Um, they're five times more likely to have fired than if an African-American officer had actually um, been the one to answer the call. Let's put it that way. So like the police officer going into a predominantly black neighborhood, if it was a white officer, he's five times more likely to fire than if it was a, uh, an African-American officer. Let's put that. Yeah, that's probably way, worded way better. And I thought, interesting. So then the thought in the survey was, like, would it be smart to have attempt to put more african-american officers into those to patrol those neighborhoods my initial thought was that i mean doesn't sound like a terrible idea um i don't know what is your thoughts i have conflicting thoughts on that so i can see why they wouldn't say that um simply because they're probably thinking um those who know the struggle and those who can relate will be slower to judge and slower to uh, act in an irrational way. And so if you call a black officer who knows the black culture, who knows the black struggle, who knows that particular neighborhood that he or she may have come out of, um, they know the ins and outs, they know the poverty, they know um, the struggle of the everyday uh, living there that goes on, they're going to be slower to judge and slower to pull out and kill somebody over a white a police officer that has no idea of the culture, has no idea of black people and see black people as a threat. That's number one. But my conflicting thought on that, my conflicting answer to that is, how do you expect us to join something that's against us and we cannot trust? 
as a black man, you want me to join what many black people see the enemy. Yeah. To be completely honest. I had so, the same thought. I also thought, why would you have to, right? But anyway. Why, why do we always have to be the savior? You know, um, it's up to you to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You solve the problem yourself. That's what we're always told. told. So that, that's, my, that's my conflict on that. How, how can I join something that's not for me and that I cannot trust? While also, you have to understand the pressure that current black police are under, mm -hmm. that they are scrutinized on both sides. Mm -hmm. Because number one, beyond my badge, beyond my uniform, I'm a black man, a black woman. And so if I am in the black community and they know I'm a police officer, I am looked at as an Uncle Tom. I am looked at as one who is a part of coonery because you are you are standing lockstep in those who are oppressing us. While on the other side, as a police officer, do I hold to the code, the silent code of the police department? Um, that I have to have my brother's uh, back. That is the black and blue over the black. And so I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna catch 22 with that. I would love to have, like I mentioned, my brother on uh, Tony Thomas on our show, um, mm -hmm. talk about his experience as a black man while being a police officer. Because me personally, during these times, I would probably quit my job and find another profession uh, because there's no way that I can stand beyond, behind a, a badge, a uniform that won't stand up or speak up for me. Uh, and so yes and no, I, I would not discourage a, a younger black people that say, hey, man, I want to be a police officer because I want to be a part of the change. Absolutely. I understand it. But I also won't look down and say, well, they're wrong because they're saying I can't be a part of something that's against me. So that will be my answer to that, bro. But I think that's a great I think it's a great question. I think it may be a part of the change, uh, but I'm not 100 percent sure on that. I, I'm just not. And so as we as we wrap this up, how can we offer how can we offer some solutions? John? I have some, but I want you to to give your solutions on um, this police brutality and this racial divide. And we don't have all the answers. Uh, we're just two regular guys just trying to make a difference in our world. Uh, but but just offer some solutions. So if you uh, listen to last week's discussion with uh, my good friend Jeremiah Dew, Jay Dew, um, yeah. follow him at It's Jay Dew. But um, he... Uh, he had made he had mentioned because we had, I don't remember if we mentioned the election or what, but he had basically said, mm -hmm. and I and I agree. He said it starts in your local community. Um, it's a hundred percent right. So we focus so much on, and I'm not saying national, you know, governors and um, house reps and senates and the presidential seats aren't important. Obviously, they're important, yeah. but so many of us 
put all of our focus on that. We watch all of that in hopes that this person is going to fix our problems. Right. Um, the reality is they're not. Okay, we've had multiple different presidents in each term, and it's not. I have not seen it get better. Okay, um, and you have to. I mean, some communities get better, some communities get worse. Um, the, the president cannot change a community. Um, in a, in my opinion, they can't really change it. It's harder for them to change it in a positive way than in a negative. They can change it in a negative way a little easier. But um, so you have to have to have to get involved in your local community. Um, there's just no way around it. It is more important now than ever. Okay, um, you understand our our country is divided into states and counties for a reason um, because each one is allowed to make decisions therefore if you don't like your how your state does things you're allowed to go to another state that's the point that's why i'm not big on these national policies because if someone says well i think this would be a i mean there's certain ones that are nationally like recognized you can't just kill somebody that type of thing which we are well, talking yeah. about right now but it's supposed to be a national thing right um, but there's other rules, whether it's maybe the marijuana thing or that goes up. Okay, states have, that's why we have states. Um, so if you don't like what one state does, you can go to another state. If you like a conservative state, there's lots of those. If you like a liberal state, there's lots of those, a progressive state, whatever you want to call it. Um, there's plenty. So anyways, um, you got to go ha start having discussions. Go to your local police department, right, and start asking the questions. Um, I'm going to do it. I'm going to uh, reach out to the local police department and uh, just have a discussion. Why? Because we've had a sim an issue here in Beaver Creek. It's been years, but it wasn't a situation. You know, we kind of forget about it, honestly, but it was our Beaver Creek Walmart and uh, Beaver Creek officers showed up. And so... Um, yeah, so I'm gonna send some some information, send some emails over there, see who I can talk to, just to have a civil discussion. I know some of the officers, um, and so have that discussion, and you can ask the right questions. I'm not saying these are all the right questions, but these are the ones I would ask. Right? What are we doing right now to support this issue? Um, like, what are when I say we? What are you doing? Right? Um, or what? Or even like what? What can be done? Right? So, okay, are you are you? I'm assuming the attention of the a lot of these um, of these departments has been hopefully um, it's at their, it's it's brought to their attention. Mm. It can't not be okay. I don't see how it could not be brought to their attention. Some are moving faster than others. Some care more than others. Yeah. Um, but okay, so that's step one. But now, what are we doing just to make things better, right? And understand this, guys. You working towards making this issue better is also better for you. Right, it's better for my family. Okay, yeah. if you can't see me, I'm like Casper, so um, I don't know how to put it. Um, this light makes me look a little tanner than my real life is, oh, um, and so like my family benefits too, right? Like all my neighbors, right? Nothing, nothing's better for my community to have a more solid, like better policed, more diverse neighborhood and city, um, and so. Anyways, um, can we? Uh, how can we increase training if that's what you think is needed, right? Yeah. Um, and then, what programs should we should we implement? You need to go to your city council, right? Um, what types of things need to be on the ballots? Okay, what do we have to vote for? Like, are you going to tell me it's it's funding? Okay, and guys, when someone asks for funding, ask what it's going for, right? For you always have to ask that. What is this funding for, um, and why is it needed? And it's okay for them to ask. But, you know, I always get this, oh, it's not a new tax. It's just a renewal. Okay, renewed for what? Um, that kind of thing. <laughs> and then, it. yeah. Um, and that, other than that, guys, um, you know, vote, 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 vote. You have to. You got to get out and vote. 
And I don't remember the lady who is talking about it. I think she's from Georgia. I think she was a house, maybe, I think she was a, was a house rep. I don't remember. And I wish I could remember her name. But she had talked about the census. Um, yeah. If you don't remember her name, tell me. I just, I look, I try to look it up. I couldn't remember. Um, she talked about, about the importance water? of this. What's that? Are you talking about Maxine Waters? No, no. Okay. Um, I will look it up for next time. It, okay. it doesn't really matter, honestly. The point is she was right. So the yeah. census. Participate in your census. It's how your community gets funding. It's how you're basically recognized. So when the census guy shows up to your door and asks how many people live there and how many people are employed and what are the ages and stuff like that, just answer the questions. They're going to be gone in four minutes and then off on their day, right? They're not, they're not trying to be in, in nosy. They're just they're census people. So just participate. It's how I had one show up at my house. Never had one show up before that I know of. Um, I happened to be home, answered his questions. He was off to the next house. That's how you're represented. Um, understand it's important. So take your census. Get involved in your police department. Even if you don't like them, I promise they, there will be, if you send them a column, send an email, and they'll and go talk to them, they will be very polite to you. Um, just go in there and have a discussion and go to your city council meetings um, if, if, yes. they're, if they're open. So, Man, absolutely. If you, those of you that are listening or watching this podcast, if you don't get anything else from what we said in this entire episode, I want you to hear what John just said about voting. Please, not just on a national level, but at a local level. I'm not saying this to be harsh, but let me just talk to my black community. If y'all don't get out there and vote, don't say nothing else. Shut up. If you do not vote, people died. People literally died. So we can have the right to vote. And if you're doing all of this protesting, all of this marching, this looting, and you do not vote, I don't want to hear anything else from you. I, I am so serious. We have 37 days until election day. And I, I need you to hear what John said. Not just nationally, because the president, no matter who gets in that office, has nothing to do with your local mun municipality, your local police department, your schooling district, your housing zoning, very slim to absolutely none effect does the Washington have on that. We can control that. Okay. And I'm not perfect at that. I don't, I can't list you everybody in my city council. I have to do better. But one thing that I am going to do and, and I have done since I was eligible is vote. Do not, do not think your vote does not matter. That's a lie. That's a myth to deceive you, to hinder you, to stop you from going out and making your vote count and matter. And another critical thing John said two weeks ago, a census guy knocked on my door. That was the first time I ever filled out a census. I didn't, I don't know, who was this? I'm like, it's the, let me see some, some identification. Let me see some proof until I actually went into the study. This is critical. We are talking about representation. And if they don't know that we're here, we're not represented. Guess what? We won't receive because we're not represented. We won't get what we need. Okay. So please, please. And we'll talk about more about voting in the next couple of weeks to come. Um, those of you that are leaders of organizations, uh, of churches, pastors, uh, businesses, managers, 
If you are a leader, you should, those that are under you, they should be hearing from you about voting. They should be hearing from you about how important it is not to persuade them to be uh, Democrat, Republican. You haven't heard that from me or John, and you won't hear it. We're not here to sway you to be Democrat, Republican, uh, liberal, conservative. That's your choice. But please, whatever you do, do not make up in your mind and say, well, you know what? It's going to be what it's going to be. I'm not going to go vote. Please don't do that. Please. So please go out and vote. And like he said, fill out your census. Do you have anything else, uh, bro? No. And the next several, you know, as we plan these forward, just for the listeners to know, um, as we get into voting, um, as we, I'm just done thinking about this, we will provide sources, yes. um, things that you can go to. What can you look up online to get your local ballot? Like, where can you go to understand where people stand, like how people stand? I just saw a post the other day showed how in Ohio, you know, certain people stand and had like five or eight, seven, eight causes. And it kind of showed you where they stood on theirs, both Democrats and Republicans. It's good yeah. information to know, guys. Quit checking the R or D box. It, that, that's not important, okay? Um, that's lazy, lazy voting. I don't yeah. care if they're independent. I, I voted for non-RRD individuals um, quite frequently the last several times, actually, and um, because I didn't like what the other ones were standing for. I didn't trust them. And so, like, don't... You're not here to, like, balance the... They say, oh, if you don't vote for a Republican or Democrat, it doesn't matter. Is that really how we want to keep moving forward as a country? It has to start with you. You yeah. have to start voting for the right person, not to balance, you know, to tip the scale, R or red or blue. That's not what we're here for. Um, just start paying attention, reading. We're going to give some sources on that and so on different things as we uh, go through this next month because this is a really important thing. People don't understand how important this, this is a right that most people in the world don't have. Do you understand that? Most people don't have that. And for a long time, only certain people in this country had that, right? And so, anyways. Absolutely, man. It, it is not optional. Get that out your mind. Oh, if I vote, it's okay if I don't. No. Get out there and vote. And like John said, we will be providing those resources that you need in order <clears throat> so that you can move forward in an informed decision so that you can know how and where you can vote, how to do that. While we are providing those sources, one of those sources that we want to provide for you is uh, the Read of the Week. Uh, I want to uh, provide a Read of the Week, Once a Cop, by Corey. Now, I'm probably going to jack his last name up. I don't know if it's Peguez or Peguez. Um, but Once a Cop, please read this book. Life-changing. Life-changing. Um, it talks about uh, a black man who started off in New York, a uh, rough neighborhood, rough upbringing. He was a drug dealer, got into the life of crime, um, got into the life of his surroundings, but was able to turn his life around. Um, and he joined the police force as a black man, uh, climbed through the ranks, uh, lieutenant and colonel and uh, different uh, ranks of the policing. And he talks about those two worlds and how he had more respect for the street than he did the law. Uh, once he got into the police department, he talked about the corruption and all sides of policing. Um, just as we've covered in this particular episode of police brutality, go check out that book. 
Once a Cop by Corey Pegues. Um, while you're doing that, we also want you to continue to support us. You can find us on Facebook, Unscripted Authentic Leadership. That's our page, Unscripted Authentic Leadership. You also can follow us on Instagram at Unscripted Leadership, at Unscripted Leadership, and you'll see our logo there that'll verify that is our page. Also follow John at John Lebrun, L-E-B-R-U-N, his last name, and the number three. It'll be right there on the bottom of your screen. And follow me at Lafayette, L-A-F-A-Y-E-T-T-E, B-Lane. <laughs> you also can stream uh, uh, this episode and all of the episodes of our podcast on every major podcast platform whether it be Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Buzzsprout, iTunes, Radio, Amazon. Uh, this goes on and on. Uh, and also, once again, subscribe on YouTube where you can catch the full episodes uh, from our podcast. And the Unscripted Reel, which shows different clips of the podcast. Uh, we're constantly posting on all of our social media platforms. So we want you to join uh, this movement of the unscripted authentic leadership. We appreciate your support and we pray that we continue to build bridges and not walls. Uh, bridges connect and walls divide. This has been another episode of unscripted authentic leadership. I am your host Lafayette Lane and my co-host John LeBron. This has been another episode of unscripted authentic leadership. We pray that you be the leader that God has called you to be. Be that change you want to see while also seeking to understand. Until next time, God bless you.